I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, welcome to Going Okay, now you can go. Hi, welcome to Going now. Off Track. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Going Off Track. I'm Jonah. I'm yes, you are. Two juvenile delinquents <laughs> named Stephen and Brad. Uh, yes. You're Hi, right. everybody. Uh, I'll, I'll admit you're correct. It's good. It's good to be here. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm doing very well. <laughs> yeah, you I don't make this drive for just anybody. Yeah, Stephen made the drive in from Jersey. Just for you guys. You may be wondering, why doesn't he do it more often? Yes. Because sometimes if you leave them alone by themselves, the cops show up. It's Twins. not pleasant. Yeah. Because I taught them how to call the cops. That's important. You did? Yeah, you have to. But what's weird is now they have to like, you can't just say grab the phone and hit it. You have to like grab the phone and then slide it and then hit it, you know? Oh, yeah. But I think all phones have to be able to how call do they know? How do, they don't have, do they have cell phones? No, no. They know where yours. They know how to work yours. Yeah, well, we we uh, we have. Um, if they see it lying around, yeah, of course, yeah, they know how to work mine. They know how to work iPads. It's amazing. Like you forget about it. That you know, we grew up without this shit. Now it's oh yeah, you the can norm. call nine one one without unlocking you your phone. Oh, it's an emergency in the corner. Yeah. Huh? Should we call? You want to call nine one one? Yeah. What do you mean here? Let's prank Where's that? <laughs> in that bottom corner. Do, look, do you have you don't, you don't have a lock code on your phone? I don't do a lock code. Yeah, yeah. so you don't get this then. You have to actually physically dial them. I, I, the you don't code, have a lock code on your phone? No, it infuriates me that every time I want to respond to a text, I have to enter four other mm-hmm. stupid numbers again. You, I think can, it's dumb. you don't have to. When it comes up here, you can you can respond to a text. You can also do the thumb stream. unlock thing. I used to do the thumb thing, but that just took too long. Okay. Well, today on the podcast... <laughs> How to steal Stephen's phone. I just <laughs> yeah. pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to steal Stephen's phone, super easy. You do not need a passcode. <laughs> just literally just take it out of his hand and you have a new iPhone. And run. Run. There's probably run. some good numbers in there. Yeah. yeah. Call some, there's a couple. Yeah. You could prank some celebs. Yeah, you could probably... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call Fat Mike or something. Um, today on the podcast, SD Heim. Yeah. From the band Heim. Uh, been trying to get SDM for so long. Um, fortunately for her, uh, her band is super successful, so she doesn't a lot of time. But you guys did a, you've done two sound advices? We've done two sound advices with Heim. Um, two? Yes. They're one, super funny. W- one, Danielle wasn't there. I saw one of them. I saw the one where she wasn't there. Yeah, and then we did another one with all three of them in LA, ah. which is re- also really funny. Uh, Alana and Danielle, also awesome. And so nice. Vanessa did a video with twice. them, right? Vanessa was in their music video, yeah. Yes. Was in the music video, so yeah, we've collaborated with them a lot. And uh, SD, we talked a lot about. She's a big emo fan, so 
she Phillips? really wanted no who doesn't like emo Phillips the She's genre so we, we always talk about it and I was like you should come on the podcast and we should just talk about Say Anything and Taking Back Sunday and all these bands because I think maybe people who listen to Haim might not realize that so does she have a cut does she have a line in the sand about like where emo stops for her well we have we kind of I don't know I don't think she really cares like I think I don't know. We didn't get into like what's emo and what's not, but she also really likes pop music, which I don't. So we talked about that a lot and sort of what she's more the school of like, if music makes me feel something, I, I, that's all that matters. And I'm more of like, if you had some producer write this for you and you didn't play an instrument on it, then that bums you out. That bums me out. Keep in mind, she's about a hundred thousand times more successful than me. (laughs) So what does that say? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, she has some really, really, I don't know. I just feel like she's really smart about music. She's a great bass player and is into a lot of bands that we talked to on the rock show. And I always think it's interesting to see people kind of like where that takes them. Yeah, especially that was like their moment in time. We uh, Jonah, a couple weeks ago, uh, came with me when um, uh, there's there's a number of them. But these uh, two guys, uh, Alex Bedanes, do do a thing called Emo Night here at Brooklyn Bowl. Yes. And they asked me to come by and, and DJ. They've been asking me for a couple of times, and I've never been able to do it on account of children. Um, so I got to do it, and it was so much fun watching that crowd listen to these songs that we used to play all the time, that we were there, and we got to see all these bands and stuff, but they might not have been. And I was talking to Trish about it, and I was like, wait a minute. Like, this is kind of like their, their 80s night. Yeah, you know totally. I mean? yeah. yeah. And it was, it was like they were having <laughs> a weird, ball, right? having an absolute ball. And I remember we were like, you never think about it because when you see the band live, you don't think about it. And then, and the the dudes who host it were, they would hit play and then they would just sing along and jump <laughs> up with the crowd. And we're like, oh my lord, like this <laughs> kind of gobsmacked as it were. And they they get like, um, I think that you know they're having like uh, Ryan from Yellow Card is going to come and like DJ and play songs. Oh, Fred Mascherino was there. Yep, Fred was there. You were there. You brought mm-hmm. me on stage. I brought Joan out. Introduced me. No yeah. one cared. <clears throat> Steven might have been pounding the Brooklyn Lager a little bit that night. <laughs> it was nice. good. Um, <laughs> and we would, we, while we're on the subject, we would have to mention our friends. Tom and Brian also do an emo night. Oh, yeah, of course. At yeah. Jerome's Bar in Lower East Side, which is a little bit more catered towards people like us. Well, yeah, but there's... It's more like Rainer Maria. Here's the thing. Fred and I talked about that because these kids, and, and I feel very kind. They're you know, full-grown adults, but they're on their, their 20s, and they have better jobs than I do. But they, you know, they were kids. And so <clears throat> Fred said, like, I made a playlist that was just, I ripped off the rock show. It was like, Mike Hem, The Used, Taking Back Sunday, like, cool. Fred Fred said, yeah, that made me kind of change my playlist a bit because I said, what? Because you threw in like what Lifetime and The Faith? Like he went like legit right. emo. Like like that that emo night is more of um, it's like the difference between modern rock and alternative rock from back in the day. You know, it went from college to modern. Remember Brad? <laughs> yes, indeed. Because Brad was in probably, you were in a modern rock band, weren't you, Brad? <laughs> Brad was in Collective Soul. For those of you who don't know. Collective Soul is not modern rock. Uh, <laughs> um, but it was like... <laughs> I wish I was in a modern rock band. <laughs> God, I'd be so together. I was Irving the other night. Collective Soul was playing, but Tom from like Tom from Washed Up Emo, like that is like that's straight up. Like that's like like if you if you want to dive deep, you know. Yes, he's uh, he's the man. I recently was a guest on Washed Up Emo. I don't know when it's coming out, but check out Washed Up Emo 
And if you care about me, me and Tom talked in Tompkins Square Park for like an hour and a half about it. He, we do. I've said it before. If everywhere there was anyone deserving their own channel on Sirius, it's Tom. Yeah, I agree. Tom <laughs> is awesome. Check, so yeah, check out their email night, Jerome's. Um, and yeah, check out Heim. They're a struggling up and coming band, but they might be playing your town soon. And maybe. They, I mean, I think yeah. they're working on a new record, so that'll probably maybe you'll see something. Taylor, about that. somebody's really into them. Oh yeah, they toured with Taylor something. I don't know. Whatever, ladies and Taylor gentlemen. Taylor fast. SD Heim, I'm going off track. Pun away with me. Um, we're here with SD from Heim. Hi, guys. How's it going? Really good, actually. Um, it's already been kind of a productive day today. Not for me. You pr- not from you. You've done but, a lot more than I have today. Yeah, but you know, it doesn't mean that you didn't, you know, brighten up my day by being here. Um, what did you, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I did a lot, but what did you, you made it better? Thing? What did you do? You woke up? I woke up and I got a croissant, which was really good. A buttery ass croissant. And then I took the subway to the UN and I took a tour of the UN, which was pretty fantastic. Did- and, um, I saw a piece of the Berlin wall. Okay. I saw there's like this really epic rose garden in the back of the UN. It's like really like things that I would have never thought like existed at the UN. And yeah. like all this art from like different countries, like presents to America. It was just really cool. For someone who plays in a band called the United Nations, I don't know really anything about the UN. <laughs> like I've, we did like a photo shoot there in Reagan Mass like five years ago, and that's my only time there. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Like, do you re- people learn about? I mean, you learned about the UN in school. I'm like, I did guess. you do Model UN? No. Okay, you just like the name. We have a song called Model UN, but we I never actually did it. I'm kind of wow. a poser. Wow, you're such a poser. I don't like, you're so, like the kid in middle school that like had ESs, but like didn't know how to ollie. Exactly. <laughs> that did kid. you do Model UN? No, I my school was like super artsy. I went to a, an arts high school, and we didn't even have PE, so like. Having modeling UN would have just been like out of the question. Yeah. Like I think PE comes before having a model UN. I hated PE so much. You would have loved my high school. I wish I had gone to your high school. You and you also would have like cleaned up. Like every girl would have just been like on your nuts. Yeah. The that, entire time. That was not my high school experience. <laughs> Believe it or not. I uh look, my I'm <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh I don't know. I just I think about that all the time. I think about like all my, like my guy friends that went to like normal high school and how like every, like every guy at my high school just like, there were only 500 kids, 90% of which were girls. It's like, yeah, for like every guy, what? But there's like seven or eight yeah. ladies. But I was wearing like Jinkos and like at a wallet. Are like- you... Oh my god! That was like all the rage. You were like, you, like to me, you were just describing like the BMOC, like the big man on campus right now. Like Janko jeans, wife beater, candy. Like that was like my dream guy. Visor, spiky blonde hair. What else? Like yeah, like either like ESs or DV DVSs. Remember those? those shoes? Like DVS. Or ES. And then they were, were they like skating skater shoes? Skater shoes. Yeah. yeah. They had like the little like things in the middle of the shoes. So like you can like, 
you like there was a thing i guess back in the day i don't even remember what it's called but like you used to like not even use a skateboard and just like hop up on railings and just slide down them i had a pair of those right those were like the shit yeah you had a pair of those i did i when i was like 20 turning 21 i did a semester in la and i interned at buna murray who was doing the real world new orleans at the time at the time so you were like literally in like the heyday yeah like that was my favorite like julie julie from utah julie i became really good friends with melissa (gasps) melissa she was the first person to for me like that was the first time i ever heard someone say get into the menagerie and i was like what the fuck does that mean i met her i was working in the music department and i got like tristeza and all these bands on the show because I was like wow. into all these bands and then I was in an at the drive-in show and I met Melissa and I was like, hey, I'm entering in music and we became friends. I interviewed her for my zine. Like what? in LA. I still talk to her actually. Um, but uh, What is she doing now? Um, she's like lives in Long Island and she uh, she's a kid. She's a kid? She's That's amazing. She seems like she'd be the best mom. She's uh, married to one of the dudes in Glassjaw. Wait, What? <laughs> Wait, so many like facets of my world just like crashed together. Yeah, it's true. I didn't know that. Yeah. And they live um, on Long Island or something. That's incredible. That's like the dream. Yeah. (laughs) Like have a kid, live in the burbs, play music for the rest of your life. Super, super Jewish, Jewish enclave. And their kid's name is Shalom. Their kid's name is Shalom. Yeah. I found out recently that's not necessarily a Jewish name. Really? Because it sounds like the most Jewish like name Jewishy ever. name ever. But I met someone who um, who's Malaysian, actually, and his name is Shalom. Really? Yeah. So I don't... It, it's kind of like... It means peace. Right. So I guess like in any religion, like that's just kind of like a dope name <laughs> to be named like such an epic yeah that is true it's and it's hello and goodbye it's like it's like, al- it's aloha. like aloha yeah. yeah i was just thinking that i was thinking once i said that i thought of the band hello goodbye i was thinking of the band aloha <laughs> what, what band is that <laughs> they were from ohio they were on like polyvinyl they were like they had like, aloha from ohio <laughs> they were just called aloha they were from ohio though but that's like a mouthful yeah it's a lot we had um we had force from hello goodbye in the podcast force klein yeah the man, good dude. The myth. The, he was on the Real World once. Really? Yes, he was on the Real World. It was like Real World Austin, and it was during South by Southwest because I think the cat the cast had to work for South by. Okay. And so they had to like interview him for the festival or something, and okay. he did like a little song. I remember being like, "Whoa!" Like, can't I can't believe this like indie kids on like MTV. Don't you feel like that show for me? I started losing interest when they were like, "We're gonna give you like a fake job," like a I felt fake like, job. Like I feel like I haven't watched it in like years, mm-hmm. but I felt like the last few, like they're like, "You're all gonna work at a radio station," or "You're all gonna do this oh. thing," and it's like, dude, like no one really cares about this thing. They'd be like, oh, "I'm getting like, like reamed out for being late to work." It's like this right. is like a fake job. Like who cares? Cut. Well. But like Hawaii, like you didn't like Hawaii, like when they had to work at that surf shop. I didn't see that one. You didn't watch Hawaii? No. Oh, was that, that the one like, with Ruthie? Yes. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that one. That was like Ruthie yeah. and Amaya and Trevor. <laughs> I mean, clearly, like I was a little too obsessed with the real world no, for I'm a impressed. long time. 
I have a friend who lived in New Orleans while the New Orleans Railroad was being filmed. And he was like obsessed and ensconced with um, that season. And I don't know if I'm blowing up his spot right now. I won't say his name. But he used to like write notes attached to friendship bracelets and throw it over the... No way. Yes. To the cast members. And I think he actually ended up becoming friends with some of the cast members, but he was just like all about it. That house, I think, was like the most epic one out of maybe every real world house. It's like that one and the one in France. Real world Paris. Really? Like, I I feel like all of those were like such a big part of, I feel like it fell off once they came back to LA. That was like the last real world that I watched. Okay. Which was like 2006 or something, 2005. Maybe. I saw some of the Back to New York one because they would like film it at places I knew. And that was in 2000, I think. Really? Yeah. That was like... Because then these was they, did a, anniversary. they did a Brooklyn one when I lived here. That's different. That's different. Okay. That was different. Did you ever like apply to be on the show? No, but we would watch. Like when I was there, you had to send in... Yeah, I guess you always had to send the video. in videos. But you also, right after... I left you to send in videos to be an intern too, like to apply for the internship. I didn't have to do this, but we would, me and my boss, my boss there was awesome. And Uh we would just like, he'd be like, do you want to just like not work today and go to Universal Studios? And I'd be like, sure. We'd like just like, what? whatever, like do bong hits and like not do anything. And we would just like watch like videos of like interns and people's like the worst rehearsal videos and just like laugh at them. Wait, okay, wait, because Buna Murray is on the Universal lot. It was right near it. Okay. It wasn't on the lot, but for some reason we would just go there sometimes and just like ride rides. My boss was like not much older than me and was like super cool. And well, that's the thing, like Universal Studios is like the most fun yeah. afternoon yeah. endeavor. You, I mean... I just remember I would like come back to work and be like soaking wet. Cause we yeah, be, like, Waterworld or <laughs> Jurassic Park. Get in the splash yeah, zone. You know it. You've yeah. been in the splash zone. I've been in that splash zone and no poncho, no poncho needed. Yeah. I always thought people that wore ponchos were like such pussies. Why else are you going on the <laughs> yeah, fucking Jurassic Park ride? I agree. Why are you wearing a poncho? I had a, um, a Universal Studios like yearly pass for years. And really? then when we went on tour, it was like, it was kind of just an expense that was like, like I'm not going to be here. Like, why do I need it? So we, did you grow up near Universal Studios? I grew up two exits away from Universal Studios. Wow. Um, yeah, Studio City and Universal City are neighbors. Okay. So, and I used to work at CityWalk. Really? Yeah, I worked at the Daily Grill at CityWalk for two years. I was a hostess slash waitress there. When you were a waitress, were you like, I feel like if people gave you attitude, you would give it back to them for some reason. Like, I feel like it would be hard for you to just be like, okay. Well, that was the thing is like at the Daily Grill, most of the patrons were foreigners because it was, it's like a tourist place. So like people were from like Sweden and like people from Sweden are like the nicest people ever. No one ever sassed me. The one thing, the only time that I ever ran into like trouble, I never told you the story. I don't think so. When I worked at, um, I worked at the counter, that burger place. Okay. It's like a chain, but I, um... I worked like right before I got, we got signed. I got a waitressing job um, there and 
I had just read this article. Someone sent me an article that was like number one accent that gets tipped in America. Like if you if you have an accent, Southern, if you have a Southern accent, you get tipped something like it was like 25% more than like if you either if you don't have an accent or like a different accent, right? So my first week there, I tried it out like to see if it was basically if it was true or not. And it totally worked. And I got tipped like I got tipped so well that week. And then everyone kind of around me picked up on it. And I was like, Esty, why the fuck are you acting like you're from like, <laughs> I told people that I was from Knoxville, Tennessee. <laughs> because, oh no, or like either Chattanooga or Knoxville because the one of the girls from um, uh, 16 and Pregnant was from Chattanooga and I really liked her. Her name is Macy. Can we and, hear your accent? So like... It goes in Australian also <laughs> randomly sometimes. It's awful. But no, like I would like get to the table and I'd be like, hey, hey y'all, my name's Esty. I'll be your waitress this uh this afternoon. I'm gonna get y'all um some menus and I'll be right back. So it's like kind of like pa- it was passable. Yeah. If you were from LA and you heard that, you'd be like, Oh shit, she's like so sweet and like <laughs> Right, right. Like so, like humble and hospitable. <laughs> like yes. How did she end up here? How? Well, and then they would ask me, and right. I was fucked up. I'd be like, "Oh, you know, um, I'm just, you know, out here, you know, trying to make things happen for myself. Like sending money back home. It was so fucked up. <laughs> like when I look back on it, it was so fucked up. And then, I and then I started getting regulars, and I couldn't stop being southern right because then they i mean they'd obviously notice like so then i had to keep doing it i had to like perpetuate this lie did you did like did you tell your sisters about it i told my sisters about it people at the restaurant were asking me like why like that's so weird and fucked up that you're like playing this like weird southern character and like like i got caught a couple times but one time in particular my um i called my dad because my um insulin pump had like popped out and I needed him to bring me um extras from his house because I couldn't go to my house and my dad doesn't have a key to my house so he needed to bring me like an extra um like inserter and um set to like put my pump back in and I had just taken um an order from this table of um I don't know where they were from but I was like they're obviously foreign I don't know and um my dad walks in and I see him like look at me and then his eyes kind of wander off and I see him looking at someone else and I'm like, oh, maybe my dad like is going to say hi to like my manager or whatever. But he walks over to this table, the table that I had just been at and like high fives the guy <laughs> and then looks at me and goes like beckons for me. And I'm like, oh shit. Like who, who is my dad talking to? Like why is my dad talking to this guy? And I walk over and my dad's like, do you remember Benny? Like we were on, we were in soccer together. We were on a soccer team together. And I was like, hey. <laughs> and I'd like, and I'd, I should have said this before. I was completely Southern when I like, when I waited on his table. And then all of a sudden, like they were looking at me like, you're obviously not Southern. <laughs> you obviously lied to us for like your, for, like your cold open was like a complete lie. And it was really embarrassing, but they like totally like tipped me like an extra 20 bucks. I think felt, they felt like bad for me, but it was like really embarrassing to be caught like with. And then my dad was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, why are you, t- why are you, why do you this weird Southern accent? 
whatever. And then I stopped. And then, but I, I was a waitress there until like the day we got signed. Wow. I just kept working. Yeah. I liked it there. I like, I mean, I liked all the people that I worked with. It was really fun. It was like a bunch of, it was like all the waiters there were like other musicians and actors and just like really fun people. I liked it. Yeah. A lot of Southerners. That's the thing. Like, strangely enough, a lot of Southerners yeah. were there and a lot of Southerners came in and like, my coworkers would like purposely just be like, do you know where this little lady's from? Go ahead. Like she's from like this tiny, tiny town near Knoxville, Tennessee, right? Right. Near Chattanooga. Is that like East or West of Chattanooga? Like North of Nashville? Like, yeah, I would have fucked with these so much. Yeah. I got fucked with mad hard. And also I was like the only vegan working at a burger place. Yeah. So I totally got like ribbed all the time. It was kind of that was that was kind of gnarly. I was like, "Come on, guys! Like, whatever. Don't be mean." Yeah, not cool. Not cool. So I want to talk about emo. Okay. <laughs> when don't either of us want to talk about emo? I always want to talk. So we talk met when you guys played SNL. Yes. Which was like a couple years ago, maybe. It was November of two thousand three. Oh, two thousand thirteen. I keep doing that. I forget to add the one. Yeah. November 2013. Um, yeah, it was like, it's going to be two years. That is so in crazy. In literally a month. Two years ago. That, that is insane. Wild. That is insane. It's insane. Um, so much has happened. A lot has happened. Um, so we, I don't know how we even started talking about this. Like, you had a guest. Was it something? Did you have Jesse from Taking Back Sunday on your show? We've had Adam and John have been on. I'm really not thinking of Jesse from Brand New. Never have the had Jesse. No one from Brand New has been on. Okay. Maybe we had Max on or Chris Conley or someone. Did you have Matt? Or did I just tell, or did I like did randomly just... mention to you that like I was so excited that day because like Max Bemis added me on Twitter. Yeah, maybe and then something I like freaked that. out and I like almost crashed my car. I think I might have like said that. I think I we might have ha- like hung out around that time. It was yeah. a big day for me. Yeah, which I was surprised by because to me, like, I, mean, I love Max. <laughs> he's he's great, but I was like, oh, these girls are in this huge band. Like, they I can't believe they even like know who <gasps> say anything is. Oh my god, I was. I mean, I remember seeing. I remember seeing say anything. I remember hearing about them and like getting their um, first like. CD, I guess it was called Junior Varsity, and loving it, and then getting their second record, and like to say like like they put out this record on their own at sixteen, and they were like these three LA kids, and they went to private school or whatever, and they put out a CD, and I was like, and like the music to me was so fun and like so good and like so singable. And then I saw them live and I was like, they're so good. And Max Bemis is a maniac on stage. And Kobe Linder's such a good fucking drummer. Um, and we had like a couple of mutual friends. So like it was also fun to like go with my friends to like see them and then talk to the band after. But I just remember like hearing that they had gotten signed. Like they got signed by Doghouse Records. Like that's huge. And just being like, that was kind of, I think, the first time where I was like, wow, like, it's possible. Like, if you, like, just if you, like, do the damn thing, if you, like, make a record, like, it's possible, like, to, if you, like, record music, it's possible to get a record deal. And, like, it's not, like, this, you know, 
thing that's like just like a pipe dream. Like it could actually be a reality. So were you into like a lot of like doghouse bands or like were you like drive through? Like what was Dri- your? Scene? It was like well drive. I love drive through. I loved brand new. I, I mean, there was like a huge hodgepodge and like cr- like at the same time that I got into brand new, I was also getting into like the Strokes. Yeah, and this is also me coming out of a huge new uh, metal phase where like I was really into like corn. And Limp Biscuit and Orgy and really? Puddle of Mud and Marilyn Manson and Rancid and like Manson isn't really like new metal, but like just like like just bands that like your parents see you listening to and get terrified. Like my, so you were playing. You, were you playing? You were playing bass at this time. Yeah. So, so I were you play- like dropping it down and getting like a five string? And oh, like- I had a five string. I had a five string <laughs> Music Man because Fieldy had one, um, or it was a Monkey Head. No, it was Fieldy. Fieldy. I read Fieldy. Fieldy's book. I can't. Fieldy. It's Said dream. one person ever. <laughs> the book is so crazy because he's like, I was having sex with my like wife's sister, all this shit, but I was on Whoa. drugs. And then he's like, then he's like, then I found Jesus. And then like, Whoa. I apologized and now everything's great basically. But it's like their whole story. Is that like a direct excerpt? Like he had sex with his sister? I mean, not with his sister. <laughs> not with his sister, with his wife's sister. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Unless I read the book that wrong is... and I'm like slandering him. <laughs> but I know like he had like a really, really low point on drugs or he did something like that. Like he, it's definitely in the book. That's all I remember. Well, from I mean, the book. story checks out, I'm sure. <laughs> like rock and roll, right? Like yeah. that's rock. Yeah. Like we all want to live out Hannah and her sisters in some weird way, <laughs> I guess. So you were you had your new metal phase. I had a new metal phase. You're playing your Ernie Ball five my, string. You're, yeah, you're dropping my music dropping man. A B. That B is soups low, <laughs> and sometimes if I was really saucy, I'd tune that down to really get that what? like metally like corn sound. You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. Slap it to bass, <laughs> and um, yeah, and I just I think the thing that changed was like I was super into all those bands until I started listening to bands like Brand New and I think that the Strokes also like kind of changed everything for me but then that just kind of opened the thing that really opened um, up those bands to me honestly weirdly enough was getting my driver's license because I could actually go see bands and like go discover new music and because this is like before any type of like the social meds like the social meds weren't around so all i had were like message boards so i would like go on i would go on the say anything message boards and it would literally be like what music are you listening to and like everyone would list like 500 right and like, and then I, I discovered like Jets to Brazil and like kind of like the predecessors, like Dinosaur Jr. and like all these bands that, all the bands that I started listening to were like really into before. Were you into Jets to Brazil? Yes. Okay. I'm obsessed with Jets to Brazil. And we like, we just did a live podcast with Blake and Vanessa like two months ago, and Blake played a Jet song. It's like the first time we played one in so long. Whoa. I had, there's like a video of it on YouTube. I'll send it to you. He played Sweet That's Avenue. That's huge. Crazy, yeah. How, he, did he just get in contact with you? He was just like... I, yeah. He did the podcast a couple years ago, and I just like sent him an email not expecting him to want to do it. And he was like, yeah. And then like showed up with... The, I was like... 
I kind of guitar tech for him. I like set all his stuff Whoa. up. Whoa! You can see in the video his That's guitar strap huge. falls off, and I like fix it for him. Oh <laughs> what? But yeah, I love Jets, and it's. I've been arguing with my friend Patrick a lot because I love perfecting loneliness, and he's like that. Rec- the like the third record, okay, which is like kind of the more piano-y. Yeah, weird. Like, but I hate. To- it. But that's like totally like in line with what they did. Yeah. He's like a, kind of a stubborn guy. He's a, is he a little snobby? <laughs> a little bit. He Tiny likes, bit? He likes a little bit more screamy stuff. Like he's like a little bit See, more. See, like, like, I get that. But yeah. that, like I said, that, well then, and then that kind of turned into like me discovering bands like Touche Amore and yeah. like bands like that, which I still, I still like. But I think the things that I, I really go back and actually listen to are like Taking Back Sunday and yeah. say anything. Like Is A Real Boy was like a huge thing that happened to me in my life and this the craziest thing about that record so like i listened to um like everything that say anything did like anytime they put out like on a message board i hear like max bemis as like a cute like an acoustic session like somewhere in new york when he's going to school here and plays a new song and i get an mp3 of that and then um i got is a real boy and loved it and then loved the record after that. And then cut to 2013 when working with Ariel. And I was going through my old iPod. And I found all these old demos. And eventually I got to the single off of Israel Boy. And I'm playing it. And Ariel look, is like, looks at me and goes, wait, how do I know this song? And I was like, I don't know. How do you know this song? It's a band called Say Anything. And he was like, holy shit, I produced this song. Which was so weird because A, again, like two parts of my life like weirdly colliding. I would never have thought that RL even knew who Say Anything was. But he was in the Hippos, right? He was in the Hippos, yeah, yeah. yeah. Were you into the Hippos? A little, tangentially. They're more like ska, pop, punk. They're not really emo. There's nothing, they're not emo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he like wrote all the songs when he was like 14, got signed when he was 15, like crazy shit like that. Well, the crazy thing is too, when I was with TBS in Cleveland and uh-huh. I was sending you those photos, they were, uh-huh. their manager, the first band she managed was the Hippos. No way. Yeah. It's like it's wild. way too much for me to handle. So nuts. So we're like, cause I. Were your sisters, were they into emo at all? Because I feel like I was, like, I figured, like, I would, would, like, the Strokes would, like, seem like an obvious, like, it seemed like you guys were. They were way into the Strokes. Yeah. Way, way into the Strokes. But also, like, the bands that we were also in at that, into, at that time were, like, Rilo Kylie and, like, mostly just L.A. bands, like Phantom Planet and this band called Rooney. Of course. And, um... Yeah, but some of that, I mean, I look, I like, I listen back to, I, I can still listen to every single Rilo Kylie record and like, and I'm not listening to it like just for nostalgia's like sake, I'm actually listening to it because I, I really love the songs and I love the music and I love Jenny and her voice and, and everything. Yeah. She's like a magical goddess. Yeah, she's, she's awesome. She's awesome. Um, So there was a lot, I feel like that was a very interesting time for music that 
actually used instruments. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> okay. So I think as a as a girl or just a human being that like played a rock instrument, that was a really great time for music. Um, a lot that had a lot to do with the Strokes, I think. But I think for me and my sisters, we just loved. A we loved just seeing bands like actual bands playing rock instruments that was really inspiring for us so like i said like bands like um we saw phantom planet a lot and um i saw midtown a lot randomly oh yeah do you remember that band yeah i'm friends with all of those guys really well gabe gabe and rob both live here so they're That's around a lot crazy yeah i loved them they also real world tie-in they yeah <laughs> what was that real world like that was a chicago ch- or was it like a challenge thing? No, no, no. no. One of the girls from <laughs> no, they played the theme song in one of them. They played. They did? Yeah, they were like on the beach, and like I think it was like a real world road. It was like one of their. It was like that. Come on, let's go. They're oh, playing right. on the yeah, beach. Yeah, 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 yeah. But maybe there was a tie-in with. Um, there was a girl on the real, on Real World Chicago that was dating one of them. Yeah, I think it was Rachel. I actually am friends with her too. The blonde one. Yeah. Are they, are they still dating? No. Oh, she's, okay. She's that just, was a way way long time ago. Got you. She's great though. She like had a lisp or something. I remember. Or like she kind of had a lisp. She's really quiet. Maybe that's what she's it is. Great. Maybe we just assume that people that have lisps don't <laughs> speak up because they're embarrassed. It's possible. It's fine. I had a lisp, so like I, but I was really, I've always just been really loud. I had a, I forget what it's called, but it's when you speak out of the sides of your mouth, like you, so like you talk like this, and it was because I had braces. Okay. And then once I got my braces off, I think it's because I didn't want to open my mouth, so I talked out of the sides of my mouth. Okay. And then when I got my braces off, it went away. Yeah, you don't have it. I don't have it now. No. And no operation either or anything. So do you feel like, um, I don't really listen to pop music. Um, punk music. Pop music. Pop music. I listen to a lot of punk music. I was going to say, I was like, <laughs> but, you don't need to lie to me. <laughs> I'm right here. Um, I can't like, like sort of what you're saying about instruments. Like I just can't get into someone just like playing to tracks, like singing over something. Obviously, like you guys know a lot about pop music. You're in that world a little bit. I mean, like, what's it like? Are you just like... Like, I just kind of, like, tend to negate when people aren't playing an instrument or writing their own music. I'm like, whatever. Right. But I feel like that's maybe not the best attitude. I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i not going to be the one that's going to, like, sit here and try and, like, change your mind about <laughs> pop music. Right. <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of like you like it or you don't. Right. Um, for me, I'm, I've always been attracted to really good melodies and feeling. And... I, I, if music makes me feel something, I'm going to like it. So there's certain pop music that I listen to and it makes me feel some type of way and that's why I like it. And, and that's not necessarily even... I'm talking about like pop music through the ages. So like, I feel like you listen to like... You listen to like... Um, like I feel like Personal Jesus is a song that like you would listen to and be sure. like, this is tight. Well, that's pop music. That's a pop song. Yeah. See, I don't like that's what someone's like. We had a podcast and someone's like, dude, saves the day. That's pop music. It's pop music. And I was saves like, no, pop, I don't yeah. think of that as pop. Like, I don't think of that as pop music. But it's that's the thing is, and especially now, there really isn't a definition of pop. It really, the definition is like just music that's popular. It isn't like a sound that is pop anymore. It's just music that happens to be what's popular right now. Right. 
And even though Saves the Day, I guess, isn't necessarily, like, mainstream, but the melodies are such that, like, it kind of is, like, accessible to, like, multiple kinds of people. I feel like if someone listened to a Saves the Day record, if they like pop music, they would also like Saves the Day. Right. You know? I guess it was weird because I listened to you guys because... I met you and you're on SNL. Mm-hmm. Probably never would have like checked it out, and then I liked it, and I was like, I "Wonder how many Wait other records I just like." <laughs> I'm just like assume like that will not be in my world. Like, yeah, and I think I mean it's it's also really difficult. To just I feel like I, there's so many things that slip through the cracks for me. Also, yeah. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't. You know, I think that. The thing about pop music now that I love about it is that there are really no rules. There's so many different kinds of pop and like pop is borrowing from so many different genres and so many different eras. And I like that. It's also frustrating because it also means like there are no rules. So it is kind of like the Wild Wild West. So it's like, so like what do people want to listen to when you really think about it? It's like, what do people want to listen to? And then for me, it's like, I just feel like... The music that I want to make, I want it to have a pop sensibility, but I also want it to be classic and I don't want to, I don't really want it to sound dated because like the beauty of like things like, I don't know, like music from the 60s or the 70s is like, you listen to those things and they kind of sound timeless in a weird way. Like the melodies are super timeless and if they came out now, they'd still be you'd think that they would like still be popular. Like they'd be like any Fleetwood Mac song. If it came out on K rock right now, I feel like would be a hit personally. Maybe like, don't you think if like Rhiannon was re like came out now, like it didn't, it didn't exist before. Right. And then this badass like lady rocker came out and started singing this beautiful song about a magical wizardress that like comes to you, like with that guitar line came out now. Maybe with like updated, not even updated production, just like it sounded bigger, let's say. Like it was, you know, it had like modern tinges to it. I feel like it would still be really popular. It's like a beautiful, timeless song. I'm just so cynical. I'm just like, people wouldn't appreciate it now. They would like. I mean, you think so? You think I don't that people know. are that? You think that everyone's that jaded? <laughs> like after, like if you really think about it, I don't even think you're that jaded. I don't know. Yeah, I, about sometimes about music stuff, I am. Really? Yeah, I mean, I like, guess I'm kind of. I think I'm a definitely a glass half full. Yeah, type of lady I, about like the I don't know, like the landscape and I just don't have a music. lot of. I just sometimes I see the stuff that's popular and it doesn't give me like a lot of faith in like what people are into. Well. Well, there's a difference between, like, I feel like, personally, the stuff that I listen to that, like, is coming out now, or has come out, like, in the last three or four years, like, the pop stuff, it's all really good. Like, they're all, like, really good melodies, and, like, the production is cool, like, and that's, like, stuff that's, like, on the radio, Right. Like pop music. Granted, yeah, there's stuff on the radio. Like I listen to the radio and I'm like, I kind of have to like stop my eyes from rolling all the way back into my head because there's a lot of stuff that just comes out and it's the same song over and over and over again. And right. I feel like some artists have really just gotten lazy and they're like, oh, this formula works. So like, I'm just going to make seven songs exactly like it and I'll make 
you know, my money from the singles and like, and then I'm sitting pretty and that's annoying. I agree. But I feel like there also are artists out there that really have honed in on the art of songwriting and have really gotten it right. Like I love, I love Florence and the Machine and I love her brand of pop music. I love, I mean, the Taylor Swift record 1989 is, I think is an amazing record and I still listen to it all the time and it came out a year ago. Like you've probably seen her play it. Like and I've 10, seen her play times. it a million times. And even like we, we played like almost 20 shows with her and I, we were out there every single night. Like it never got old. It was always super exciting. And it's always fun seeing your friend on stage and like seeing her do her thing and like having a good time doing it. And it's obviously so exciting and so much fun. And she's such an amazing human being. Um, so I, I listen to her record all the time. I think it's an amazing record. Um, and like, Ella Lord's record. I think her records are amazing and the stuff that she's doing sonically and, and lyrically is really exciting. I mean, I, I'm almost, I'm also a huge fan of ladies and like female, um, singer songwriters. And also all those women do write their own music, which right. is really, it's just, it's nice to, to see women doing that and succeeding. Um, but that's not to say that like people that don't write their music are, aren't also amazing. Like, would you not listen to Whitney Houston? Cause you know that she didn't write, I want to dance with somebody. Right. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't listen to a lot of Whitney Houston. I know <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be super hard for you to believe. That's really surprising But yeah, no, I mean me. like, yeah. I mean like, who am I to like negate someone else's thing? Right. But yeah, I don't know. I just, but, you, but I, that's, I fine. just think it's weird when it's like. Just, I guess, coming from punk and stuff when I'm like, oh, this person is just kind of looks cool and has right. a good voice. And then, like, everything else is sort of, like, set Done up. Done for them. Like, to me, like, that is just... I'm just used to, like, practicing in a basement, like, writing shitty songs. Oh, like, me too. Like, no one really caring about it. So, it's just, it's just weird to me when it's so... It's just a different thing. And I'm just, but, like, inherently suspicious, I guess. Right. But there's also some there's something about just the art of, like, the song having a song live like separate from the artist itself. Like a song is a good song is a good song is a good song is a good song. Right. That's true. So song, like, I don't know. Most of, it was like after the, like the fifties and the singer songwriter kind of came to like, was the most popular thing on the planet. Like every Joni Mitchell, James Taylor, Joan Baez, Bob Dylan, like then it kind of became important for the artist to also write the song. Right. And then the eighties came around and then it wasn't again. And you had all these pop stars that weren't writing their songs. And then it became important again, like with Nirvana and like all these rock bands, like grunge bands, like becoming popular. And then, and then the late nineties happened and then it wasn't important again. So it's kind yeah, of like, true. it kind of ebbs and flows. I've always just, I've been able to separate the artist from the song. A lot of people aren't able to do that as in like, if they think the artist is a shitty person or like they don't like their personality or don't like the person, they're not going to like their music. I've kind of been able to, I've always just been able to separate them. Like if I like the person's music, but I don't necessarily like think they're like either the coolest or like the best person. I'm still a fan of right. their music, you know? So 
I, 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 I also then listen to music differently than you. Right. Because I don't think you're able to do that. I don't think so either. Yeah. <laughs> so is that why you like my music so much? Because you like me as a person? I mean, that definitely, I mean, I, <laughs> I like your music, but I like you as a person too. So it's like... It does help. It yeah. definitely helps if you like the human being. That's yeah, like it helps. Putting the music out there. But the Eagles are also like a hot button yeah. topic amongst my musician friends because it's either you like them or you hate them. Yeah. There's no like middle ground. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway. I would peg you as someone who likes the Eagles. I love the Eagles. <laughs> I love the Eagles. Guess what I think of the Eagles. You hate the Eagles. <laughs> hate you the fucking Eagles. hate the Eagles. Yeah. Every See? time I hear the intro to Hotel California, I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh my God. Someone change it. Help. Please. But then, like, don't you hear, like, witchy woman? Like, the intro to witchy woman? Take it easy. I think it's okay. Take I, it like easy that, is great. that one I can get into, but to me, like that doesn't sound like the Eagles or something. Or like when Joe Walsh joined the band. Like, okay, granted, like yeah, Joe Walsh was in the band when they made Hotel California, but like Life in the Fast Lane. No, no? I can't. No, I can't. I can't. <laughs> oh my god, I fucking love that song. Do you remember when they did that? I'm sure you, that Hell Freezes Over thing. Yes. And they had that like that like young, like cool guy with like long hair on base. Yeah. Was Who's that, that like that's um he's not young. I guess he was Younger. like relatively Younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably like forty not, or something. Yeah, he wasn't like a kid. <laughs> like they had like some like young guy. Like Wolfgang like... Van Halen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I've also seen them, like, in concert, and they're, odd, like, obviously, like, they're amazing musicians, and they're really great live. But, yeah, they're definitely polarizing. Here's inter- here's something interesting about me. Okay. I'm not an Eagles fan, but I do like some Don Henley solo stuff. Okay. So, and that's, his his solo record is pure pop. Boys of Summer, pure pop. And, I'll, wait, what was the band that covered them? Oh, Code 7 or something? No, 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 no. Atar- the Ataris. The Ataris, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that version is amazing also. I, I like, bought that on iTunes when it came out, for sure. A black flag sticker on yeah, a Cadillac. Yeah, instead of a deadhead sticker. <laughs> I saw a black flag sticker on a Cadillac. Like, that song. Well, the way that Don Henley wrote that song is Pat Benatar was recording um, Life, Love is a Battlefield in the studio next door. And Don Henley was writing his solo record in the studio. And he heard that drum beat, came in and was like, wow, this is really cool. Do you guys mind if I take that drum beat? And then he took that drum beat and wrote Boys of Summer over it. I guess, yeah, I guess I wouldn't think of that as pop music, even though it totally is. It, it's, it's pure pop music. <laughs> yeah. Those melodies. That's the other thing about the way that Don Henley writes music is like everything is a hook. Right. Every melody, every drum beat, every guitar line, like everything, every part of it is hooky. And um, there's one song that he sings, um, even if, even if you uh, don't love me anymore. Heart, heart of the matter. Yeah. That whole chorus has like four hooks. It's like, I'm trying to get down to the heart of the matter. And my friends need to scatter, but I think it's about forgiveness. Like that, like that's a completely different part that's so hooky. It's just, it, it's so good. I, I think he's an amazing songwriter. And yeah. he's the drummer of the band. It's that's like, true. It's, it's like him and Phil Collins, man. That was my first concert. Phil Collins? 
1990, I think, or 91, but seriously tour. Okay, that that's pure pop music. Yeah. Phil Collins? I, th- I was thinking it was like adult contemporary or something. No, no. Like um, Easy Lover? Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. It's like, it's all pop. So this is actually really interesting because I've talked about this on the podcast too, like Phil Collins specifically. Okay. Don't you feel like there's no way you could have a pop star like Phil Collins? I wrote a comic like this for Vice. Like there's no way you could have a pop star like him now. There's no way. Because he was just kind of this regular looking middle-aged dude no. who wrote these songs, like especially songs like, um, uh, what's that one, like Another Day in Paradise, where it's like the whole song is basically about like homeless people and yeah. like, I was just like so depressing. Unless you're Crystal Waters, you can't really sing songs about being homeless. Yeah. Speaking about Phil Collins, I think that he came out of being in one of the biggest bands in the world. Right. Genesis was huge. And um my second concert Genesis we can't dance. So you're so you were like obsessed. Yeah, I guess so. But I don't know like that was like before then I'm like my third concert was like Guns N' Roses Skid Row. So it's like Well, that's like the complete opposite side. Yeah, of but I think like I was like I saw them in 91. So I was like 13. So I felt like when I was like 10 and they I were was, like, like falling off by then. It was a user illusion tour, but this is fucking crazy, too. I'm sorry to take a side note. Use Your Illusion Tour, but the albums kept getting pushed out. So they did the tour, and the uh-huh. albums weren't even out yet. Like, they had all the merch, all the stuff, and they played songs off it, but the Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 weren't released because they got pushed back, and they Why? did the tour anyways. Why were they getting pushed back? I have no idea. But can you imagine a band like being a band that like the biggest band being like a record got pushed back. We're just going to do the tour with all the merch and play the songs, even though you can't get the record. I mean, that's super reminiscent of our experience as a band. Really? Well, because we started touring. We put out our first EP in February 2012 and then immediately started like touring after that. Okay. Our record didn't come out till September 2013. Wow. So we were touring all these songs and like all the songs on our record and some songs we weren't playing live that were on the record, but like 80% of the songs on the record were just being played. And like the only recordings people had were like live recordings and we had merch and we had EPs, but we didn't have a record out. And so people would, that was like the running joke was like, where like you guys have been a band since 2007 and you don't have a record out like right that's it's the it was the most bizarre way of like putting out a record but if anything it was cool because i think that by the end of it by the end of the tour cycle people really just were like really wanting the music which was a good feeling and then it's like two years later and you've been the road the whole time we're like where's your next yeah yeah exactly like where's record number two and we're like we're making it like we're in the process like it takes it doesn't it's not like it takes us a long time but like we want it to be something that we're proud of and that is really good and you know i don't want to put like half-assed music out what's the point right you know i couldn't like look at myself in the mirror now I can look at myself in the mirror and know, like, I put out a record that I like, which yeah. is, which a lot of artists actually can't really say, I feel like. A lot of artists, I feel like, get really, like, pushed either by their label or maybe even by themselves, but to, like, put something out as soon as possible. And then they come up with something that's mediocre. 
And I just feel like that's almost the worst thing you can do as an artist because that's, it's not like it ever goes away. You know, like you can't just like all of a sudden take away every copy of the record that's out. Especially because it's like so much of your identity. Like I feel like it's like your last name. It's like you and your sisters. Like it's like it's so much everything about (laughs) my life. It's just kind of encapsulates everything. Yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't be able to like, I feel like I wouldn't be able to function as a human being. So I have to make sure that I love what I'm making and I'm 100% behind it. Um. But yeah, I think that's what kind of goes, it comes with the territory. When you're a person that makes the music and writes the music and plays the music and a lot of times produces the music and we do all of it. But I wouldn't be able to do it any other way. And even like, and Joni Mitchell was talking about how as an artist, um, she went one further and was like, if you're not producing your own music, it's not your own music. So, like, not only do you have to, like, write it and play it and sing it, you also have to produce it in order for it to be authentic to her, which I thought was, I, I, like, I don't necessarily agree with that because I think that there's something to be said about having someone to bounce ideas off of and kind of collaborate with when you're trying to take your ideas out of your head and put it on wax. I don't know if you, I think you can help in that process but i think just doing it on your own you're kind of like it's like a person that writes direct stars in a movie and then also edits the movie i feel like you're just too close to the project to really yeah you know and then not everyone i feel like certain people just are better at some things than others than others yeah but i always thought that was kind of aggressive i love that she's going that That's far like louis ck style yeah yeah <laughs> yeah Joni mitchell is the is, or louis ck is the Joni mitchell of comedy yes exactly wow I don't think anyone's ever said something so nice about Louis C.K. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah. I think I think that Phil Collins is definitely an outlier. Yeah. Super outlier. I think that he built a career in a certain way and that allowed him to make the music he was making. I mean, like when he did In the Air Tonight, what year was that? Like 83, 84? Yeah, like early early 80s and he'd been in the in like genesis since like the late 60s early 70s how much do you think the new heim record is going to sound like phil collins in my dreams it sounds a hundred percent like <laughs> phil collins <laughs> in my wildest <laughs> dreams honestly like no bullshit i wish i think that i think that he's one of my favorite him and like him and um another guy that went solo oh my god why am i forgetting his name in your eyes Oh, Phil Peter, Colin, Gabriel. Peter Gabriel. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like, and again, like pop music that they, that they were making is super smart. And like, like Kate Bush does, pop, is, is a right. pop, it does pop music, but her pop music, I mean, her brand of pop music is super like, uh, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's hard for me to talk about Kate Bush because I think she's so magical and I just end up using all these like really flowery words to describe her and, um, but their, their brand of pop music and the way they write pop music is very, very, um, it's, it's definitely in its own insular bubble and, and, um, not necessarily. I feel like, I feel like people use elements of their music now so much because I think that there's the way that, that their 
music sounded is just so cool. And also, I feel like the 80s are like back in a big way. Right. Would you agree? True. Yes. I the 80s are definitely back in a very big way. And we were, I mean, I would be lying if I, if I said that I wasn't inspired by um, music of the 80s and the sounds of the 80s. And, you know, there were all these brand new things that came out in the 80s that made music sound the way that it sounded and i think that's why people think that sometimes it's cheesy but like all these amazing compressors and like cool ways of recording came out in like 82 or 83 so like music of that time some of like the biggest songs of all time were from like 1984 like like a virgin all those michael jackson songs like the biggest songs of all time like biggest selling songs all came from like that one year and it's because, I, I think at least, because the technology was available for these like big sounds and compressors and drum machines. And um, so, yeah, music of it's that's also a very polarizing conversation. It's like, do people either love or hate music from the 80s? You don't really get that with any other decade. Yeah, because it's so distinctive. Like, yeah. I feel like now it's not like, I feel like, do you think people are going to hear music in 20 years? But like, that sounds like it's like from 2013. Like, and what would you, no, I feel like it's, I think music from 2000 even to now sounds really homogenized. It's, it all sounds like it kind of came from the same I agree. era. Or, yeah. And it's almost 20 years in the making. Whereas you don't really see, hear that with like music from like 1970 to 1990. So different. So much shit happened between them. Do you think maybe we just don't have the perspective now? Like it's not... the pers- I don't think it's the perspective. I think that... I don't think anyone's ever trying to like reinvent the wheel. Hopefully not because a, song, a good song is a good song. But I think that just the way that things... I mean, I, I think about like pop music over the last... Like since 2000, one of the big, I mean, the big records and big things that come to mind, obviously, are like boy bands were like huge in the like the early 2000s. And then that begat Justin Timberlake, which begat Future Sex Love Sounds. And I feel like when that came out, that changed what pop music sounded like. All of a sudden, there were like these like crazy, like he said, like his biggest influence on the record was like in excess. And now when I listen to it, I'm like, I totally hear that. And again, that's 80s. Right. Um, so like those synths and like the way that he was like phrasing melodies and things. And that's still kind of how people are making pop music now. Like it's, it all kind of comes back to, I think that record in particular. Um, I don't know if it's people, it could be people or just maybe our generation is... Is just kind of complacent and like likes the music that we're making and likes the music that's coming out. And so we're like, yeah, like it works, like, and it's good. Yeah. So we're just all kind of, I don't really, I don't really hear a lot of things nowadays that surprise me. Does that make sense? Totally. Like I hear music and I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I don't think it's necessarily a good thing. Um, but I do know that for me, what's most important in, in music is the song and a good lyric and a really strong melody and fun production and not taking yourself too seriously. And when all those things collide, I'm like, Oh, I like that artist. I like that music. But I I mean, yeah, there isn't really a lot of music 
now that I listen to that's like from now. I'm still listening to like the same things that I was listening to like 10 years ago. Um, I'm still listening to email and I'm still listening to say anything. And some of that stuff, like I said, like still holds up. Some of it doesn't. Right. Um, do you, I mean, do you still listen to like Daisy? I was never really a big brand new fan. You weren't a brand new fan. No, but I'll still, oh. I'll still pull out. Like I'll still listen to Saves a Day. I'll still okay. listen to like, yeah, I'll listen to that stuff once in a while. Do you listen to Dinosaur? Did you ever listen to Dinosaur Jr.? Yes. I was just listening to Jay Maskus last night. His okay. like live at CB is the acoustic thing. I, he's one of my favorite guitar players. Oh, okay. So, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So I'll listen to him. I saw them at the Troubadour a couple years ago. They yeah. did like a tiny show. Um, and it was amazing. And I cried. And that's, that's, that's the other emo. thing about that music is it does make me emotional. Yeah. It makes me super fucking emotional. You know, the one band that I never necessarily got into that was like, I think kind of the spearhead of the emo of like popular emo was dashboard confessional. Yeah. Like I liked it, but I wasn't like over the moon about it. I I think Chris Carab is cool. Yeah. I was working at AP like, right. So Uh AP was like new metal. When I joined, it was like 2002 and it would be like cold chamber one month. And then like newfound, like it was like between warp tour. What a weird time. New medley. And I joined like, they, I think they hired me because I did like a punk zine and I was like, really? (laughs) But yeah, I remember the first, the the big turning point to emo with AP, which it still is. And this was like, whatever, 15 years ago, we Mm -hmm. did a Chris Caraba cover and there was like a door to his heart. And there was like like someone standing uh, in it, and it was the cheesiest thing ever. And it sold so well. I think oh, they were like, "Let's do this." Of course it did. Of <laughs> it was like a total did. test. And then we were like, "I think like Cold Chamber and like Creed, whatever. We can stop putting this on the cover. Mm, Let's do Good Charlotte or AP whatever." He did like Yarl bands. Yeah, totally crazy. Limp Bizkit was on the cover. Cold Chamber, ICP, a bunch of times. Corn, um, like, no, all- like Yarl, like Creed. Yeah, Creed was on the cover. Creed was on the cover. 100% Creed that was on the cover. That is so interesting to me. Yeah. Not that I don't, I have nothing against Creed. It's just, yeah. I wouldn't really peg AP as like yes. championing them or they anything. They were totally on the cover right before I started, probably like 2000 or something. <sighs> like that whole era of music was just so confusing. It was amazing, but it was super confusing. There were so many different, I feel like it's, I think the end of every decade is kind of like, the like when music's about to have like a like a turnover like and it's either like it's either this massively amazing point in music at the end of the decade or it's just like something needs to change and like we'll wait till the next decade i feel like the end of the 90s there was such a mishmash of it was like pop music it was like you know, like the TRL generation it was like you saw in the countdown you saw a Nelly video next to a Britney Spears video next to a Corn video, and they were all in the top ten. Now, if TRL was around, you th- I, there's no way that no like way. there's no way that those like anything like those three bands would ever be anywhere near each other. Like, there's such a obvious like disconnect, but at the same time, all those bands, all the bands like alter- alternative hip hop and pop, all borrow from each other. So it's almost like they are the same band. Does that make any sense? Yeah, totally. So it's a really weird time in music right now. Weird in the sense that there are no rules, like I said, but also it is kind of exciting that there are no rules and that an indie band can like borrow like sounds and beats from like a Kendrick Lamar song 
and then also like sing like a an Ariana Grande melody over it and like they can still put it out and it's okay or say anything fan can perform with Nelly and Taylor Swift in front of I mean just imagine that for a second <laughs> think about that <laughs> like if Taylor got together like Taylor did the song with Kendrick and I don't think it would be that out of the ordinary for like them to also do a song with like if like Kendrick did a song with Taylor who all and then it got or like how Ryan Adams redid totally 1989 you or know how Taylor wrote with Jack who's in Steel Train yeah exactly Jack Antonoff shout out I love Jack um but yeah and I loved Steel Train I saw Steel Train was one of the first bands I ever saw at Coachella they're playing the main stage. Really? Yep. 2006? 2007, maybe? Um, but yeah. I don't think that that would be that out of the... like Stuff like that isn't out of the ordinary right. now, I guess. Because like I said, everyone's borrowing from everyone else. You know, there's no... I feel like there really aren't genres anymore. Or there's just a million subgenres if you really think about it. I don't know. It's exciting. It's also scary and daunting. But I don't know. I think that the next couple of years are going to be really interesting when it comes to music and what it's going to sound like. Thank you so much to SD for taking the time to come in. Um, like I said, it took. A really long time to set this up because she's very busy. So being successful and being successful and, and yeah, <laughs> and doing crazy stuff like playing on Saturday Night Live and opening for Taylor Swift, opening for Taylor Swift, and I don't know other stuff that's probably more exciting than whatever. And coming in here and sitting in a chair in a dark room with you, yes. Also, I'm sure is on the list of one of her favorite things. <laughs> but yeah. Where can I go talk about Long Island band? We've got that. We have yeah. it. It exists. This is talking about fashion and all this stuff. I want to talk about Taking Back Sunday. Mm-hmm. In a windowless room. In a windowless room. <laughs> with a guy with a mustache. <laughs> um, but yeah, so thanks, Esty, for coming by. Thank you to everyone for listening. Um, you can donate at goingofftrack.com. Give us a buck. Give us a buck. to As if, um, as if we were your barista or a waiter you were shortchanging. And in fact, if the waiter's shitty, you should tip more. That's kind of how I see. If the waiter's shitty, you should tip more. Yeah, they might be having a bad day. Everybody has a bad day. That's not the way a tip works, yeah. my friend. You're you supposed should... to encourage them to do a better job. Hey, what's the company that's like getting rid of tipping? It's like a, a restaurant chain. Oh, I saw an article about that. Yes, yeah. I can't remember. But There's a like, big movement in the whole United States to do yeah, this. We'll charge more so you don't have to pay more yeah. because you're paying it fucking yeah. anyway. Anyway. I love, I've gone on Yahoo Answers just because I always go on Yahoo Answers and I'll, there'll be people that are like, I don't tip ever, and they're like, it's awesome, like, because it's like everything's just cheaper. And then there will just be like a litany of people being like, "You suck." This is this is how someone gets like. Not my responsibility. Yeah, it's their fucking responsibility. That's hilarious. It's huh? like when you it's like when you go to um uh like a street fair and they're like, "We're taking donations." Cool. <laughs> I'm gonna go buy some socks. <laughs> Suck it. You made the rules. Yep. Um, but yeah. Uh, if you don't want to donate a dollar, fine. Don't. Uh, don't. Who cares? We're going to put it out anyway, so I yeah. guess fuck us, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? 
Yeah, you you literally have no incentive to donate because we're going to do it either way. You're winning already. But aside from that flaw in logic, you can just go leave us a nice review on iTunes. That's free. Um, it takes about 30 seconds, so hopefully you have that much free time if you can spend an hour listening to a podcast. But that's way more work than giving a dollar. Who wants to do that? That's true. Mm. <laughs> you can fun. also just follow us on Twitter. You could give us money or work and write. Yeah. <laughs> or you can... I don't, why am I even still talking? No one's listening. <laughs> do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Uh, I could listen to this for fucking days. <laughs> it's like the planet at some point won't even exist, and it will be like none of this happened. Thanks to Esty for coming by. We'll be back next week. Bye. Entropy. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.